through. Well done. And that is our prayer that God would help us finish the race for Jesus Christ. And we might hear those blessed, blessed words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant of God. If you're glad to be here today, give the Lord a hearty amen. Hey, can you do that? Amen. It is good to see you. Just a, a couple notes. First of all, Jack Target has a birthday this coming Tuesday, and he can't leave because he works our soundboard, and uh, he's going to be 14 years of age, and that boy is good. He's smarter than all of us put together. So let's give him a big hand clap of happy birthday. Amen. And let me see if I can see him over there. Hey, Jack, how are you? He's got his headphones on. He's working all the boards. We're going to sing happy birthday to you. Is that okay? You got your headphones? He says, yeah, I'll be good. Okay, here we go. He really is behind the wall. That's where we sit. So would you sing to him? And he's got stereo. He's got these big headphones on, so he'll hear you really well. So let's sing happy birthday. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jack. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Give him a big hand. He's a sweet young man. I always enjoy working with him. He is a, just a great, great young fella. Sandra and Helen, we're praying for you guys and uh, God's comfort through this time of loss and your, with your mom. Sweet, sweet lady. And uh, she is with the Lord. And we are comforted by the fact that that suffering, that Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, is now uh, behind her. And now she is walking the streets of gold. A wonderful Christian lady, loves the Lord. He's a member of the Grace Chapel Church off Biggs Highway and uh, have a beautiful service planned for this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock. So just be in prayer for Helen and Sandra and their families and Sarah also. That was her mom also. So just pray for the whole family, all five of them, that God would comfort them uh, during this time. The Cecil Pregnancy and Family Resource Center has a fundraising, uh, fundraiser banquet coming up. And uh, you're cordially invited to join for an evening in the country. It's a fundraiser banquet on Tuesday night, October 1st, 2019 at 6.30 p.m. at the Gardens at Bethlehem Farms. I've heard about that. That's a beautiful place. Uh, it's a beautiful evening planned and restored in a restored barn. Uh, surrounded by lush gardens. So that'll be a wonderful night. Uh, tickets at the table are uh, a table of eight is 360. Uh, individual ticket is $45. That's a, that's a fundraiser to help young ladies who, uh, who uh, find themselves pregnant and uh, we encourage them to keep the child and an alternative and the right thing to do instead of abortion. And I appreciate Cecil Pregnancy Center. They have been a blessing. We support them in our church. And uh, Jen Russell is on their staff, and she's one of the leaders there. And you'll be hearing for, from her in just a few moments uh, at, on my sermon this morning. So if you'd like to see her after church, she, she can be glad to give you more information. Or you can go to the Cecil County uh, Pregnancy Center and Family Resource Center. You can go on their website and you can get all the information to support them on this great night. And we support, amen, we support anyone who's anti-abortion. So we really appreciate their ministry. 
This morning I want to speak to you on the subject on the celebration of first fruits. We've been, we've been delving into this over the past month of September, and uh, we've been talking about first fruits, a very important study. In fact, I have learned so much myself. Uh, in fact, I have never been immersed in a subject more important than learning principles about giving. Learning principles about God's ideas or God's instruction on how we can be uh, a faithful partner in serving the Lord in the area of giving. And that's why I've entitled it The Celebration of First Fruits. It, it just kind of drew me into the Old Testament to see what the Bible had to say about the instruction on how to please God in the area of giving. Now, let me ask you a, a very basic fundamental question. How many here today are interested in pleasing God and bringing favor of God upon you in your giving? Would you just raise your hand? That's all of us. You know, I, I, more than anything, I just want to please the Lord. I, in fact, this study has really helped me. It's corrected some wrongs in my giving. It's corrected some thoughts in my area of giving, and it's been very helpful. And my whole purpose this evening of preaching this sermon is to give a new perspective, a, a, a biblical perspective on the, on the issue of giving, of tithing and worshiping the Lord. Uh, and I, I believe it will be a tremendous help to all of us. Nehemiah said this in chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. This is what it says. Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration. And the joy, I like this, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. On that day, this is the day of giving, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the offerings, the first part of the harvest, and the tithes. They were responsible to collect from the fields outside the towns, the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. This was the first fruits. And for all the people, I love this, for all the people of Judah took joy in the priests and the Levites and their work. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification as commanded by David and his son Solomon, and so did the singers and the gatekeepers. This was a micronism. This was a picture of what it was like if we could go back into the Jewish culture and learn something about their relationship with God and their relationship in the matter of giving. This is a beautiful picture of a relationship of worship. It is a, a relationship of joy. It is a relationship of celebration. Celebration is a very interesting word. These are people who have learned to celebrate that time of giving with the Lord. In fact, the early Israelites celebrated with festivals. Every festival had a spiritual significant uh, value to it. The first and the seventh months were particularly important. They were people of agriculture. Uh, many of us have jobs and we have places that we work. But these folks, these Jewish people, their livelihood was their farms, was their fields, and uh, the fruit of their fields. And their existence was closely tied to their crops. And consequently, their major celebration 
that they experienced as a people, as a neighborhood, and as a Jewish nation revolved around their gratitude to God for what he had done for them in the past and how he was sustaining them in the present. As I go back and I read about this, I, I'm constantly reminded these people had great joy in celebrating the God who had blessed them. And I, knew, I know that this really brought a great pleasure to the Lord. Now, there are seven yearly Jewish festivals throughout a year's time. But three of these were what we call annual pilgrimages. These were opportunities where people who lived outside of Jerusalem, some of miles away, they would actually load up their first fruits, their offerings, they put them in their wagons, and they would bring their entire family, and they would come to the temple, which was the center of the city of Jerusalem, and they would come and they would worship the Lord. This is what they would call a pilgrimage. This was, to, to the Jewish people, this was a time that we set aside all of our busy schedules and we put God on the center of our calendar and we set out on our journey to worship the Lord God Almighty. And it was called a celebration. It was called a festival. Sometimes that festival would last seven days. And there would be great joy and there would, the people would feast uh, among themselves. And it was like Christmas every day for seven days. But then they would go to the temple. They would offer up to the priest their first fruits. And they were doing this as unto the Lord. The priest would take the offerings, and then they would offer them to the Lord. So there was this, this uh, synergy, this connection between the holy God of Israel and the people of Israel. This was a celebration of God's goodness to his people. It's beautiful. Now, there are three annual pilgrimages. The first one was the Feast of Passover which was celebrated in the month of March. And the people would travel to Jerusalem and they would celebrate how God led them out of Egypt, how he led them out of slavery and caused them to be a free people and gave them a land. Now, that was Passover, uh, the Passover lamb, uh, uh, the, the Passover of bypassing death and destruction and bringing them into eternal life and into in a relationship with God in the promised land. And then the second festival they would travel to Jerusalem was the festival of first fruits, which was of the first harvest. And that was celebrated in May. That's where the farmers, they had already put their seeds in the ground. And the first fruit that usually came was the barley, was the wheat. And they would go out and they would gather up all this barley and they would say, we would not touch, we would not eat of that because everything that they received and reaped from the, for the Lord belonged to the Lord. They wouldn't touch it. They would put them in great big bushels. They'd put them in big baskets. And it's interesting. They'd bring their little kids. It was a family experience. They'd load up their wagons, and they would travel all the way. For the second time, they would go back to Jerusalem, and they would offer all of these offerings to the Jewish priest. And they would also bring a lamb to be a covering for their sins. And that was the festival of first fruits or the first harvest in May. And then there is the festival of trumpets, which is celebrated in September. This is the end of the harvest. 
This was the gathering of the fruits and the vegetables and the barley and all the good things that the Lord had gave to them. And they would come back to Jerusalem to thank God for the personal provision that he gave to them. And again, it was another seven-day celebration. They would dance with their Jewish dances. They would celebrate. They would praise God. They would give their chants to the Lord. And they would worship the Lord. And they would go to the temple and again offer offerings to the Lord in their thankfulness of God's goodness. Now, the festival of the first harvest is one of the middle year festivals. And it initiated the grain harvest. In fact, this is what Numbers 28, 26 says. At the festival of the first fruits or harvest, when you present the first of your new grain to the Lord, you must call an official day for holy assembly, and you may do no ordinary work on that day. In other words, he says, I want you on that first day of the festival of first fruits, the beginning of the reaping of the fruits of the field, I want you to come to, the, to Jerusalem. And this is not to be an ordinary day of work. Clear your schedule, and I want you to celebrate me. This was a festival of first fruits. The entire period of this first harvest was one of spiritual significance in which Israel was called to recognize that, the, that their presence and their habitation in the land of Israel was a gift from God. The city of Jerusalem was a gift from God. God had acted powerfully to create a people and then settle them in a beautiful place called the promised land. Thus, the land really belonged to God, and he allowed the people to dwell there by his gracious provision. And this festival is known as the day of first fruits. Now, I want to look at three great truths about this seven-week time of celebration or seven-day week of celebration that gives us instruction even for us in the church age. If you want to learn how we need to really please the Lord in the church age, we got to understand how they were instructed to please the Lord in the Old Testament. And you can't throw the Old Testament away because we have the New Testament because both are a fulfillment. The New Testament is a fulfillment of everything of the Old. In fact, the New Testament uh, establishes all the truths that are taught to us in the Old Testament. Now, I want to share three things that I personally learned that I personally learned, that, that I really put my arms around in the study of first fruits. And I, I want to share them with you. Number one, first fruits is taking ownership of our responsibility. It, it, it's really interesting because all of the people of Israel, in fact, the Bible always uses the term all, all the people, all the people. There was an ownership of all the people getting involved in supplying the needs of the Lord's house. It was really interesting. There was no one was exempt. It wasn't like, okay, you, you 12 people over here, you carry the burden of the Lord, and the rest of you guys just, you know, take a vacation. It was never meant to be. Every family was responsible of bearing up under the burden of carrying their worship to the Lord. And I think that's so fantastic. Deuteronomy 26.10 says, Now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, had given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord. Now this scripture reminds us that there are many kinds of first fruits that can be offered to the Lord. And God cares how we pay attention to his instruction about our giving. 
Now, I mentioned before, a couple weeks ago, that Cain and Abel, both of these guys, they knew about this instruction about the area of giving. In fact, the Bible says this about Abel. In, fa- in fact, in, in Hebrews 11:4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more excellent, acceptable offering to the Lord than Cain. Abel's, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval on his gift. Why? Because he gave his first fruits. He gave the first lamb of his flock. He gave it to the Lord. And God saw the priority in his heart. Now, one of the great fundamental commandments of the New Testament is you're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your... Listen, God is concerned about you being responsible of giving him glory for his goodness to you. And if you believe that today, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. (laughs) Give him praise. No pastor, no preacher, no evangelist, any Bible teacher should ever apologize for instructing people to honor the Lord. Amen? Now, there are a lot of people who say, ah, they're talking about money. Let me tell you something. You've been blessed of God. You've been blessed of God. And when you honor the Lord with your substance, you recognize that he is number one in your life. Now, in fact, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 14, there was what the Bible called a grain offering. If you present a grain offering to the Lord, and many of the Jewish people did just that, uh, if you present a grain offering to the Lord from the first portion of your harvest, he said, this is what God says, bring fresh grain that is coarsely ground and roasted on a fire. Now, God's given them specifics. Just don't bring just don't haphazardly just throw me a bunch of grain. He says, I want to make sure that it's coarsely ground, and then I want you to make sure it's roasted on the fire. Why? Because he wanted the moisture to be taken out of the seed. He wanted to be ready to be presented before the Lord. And God observes how we give our offerings to him. And so when the people thought about giving their gifts to the Lord, they said, we want to do it as what the Lord has, has, has instructed us to give it. And they would do that. They would grind it coarsely. They would dry it out over the fire, and it would be pleasing to the Lord. Now, as the children of God in our church age, we need to take ownership of how we honor the Lord with our giving. It is our responsibility as members of the body of Jesus Christ to study the principles of worship and giving. And the principles of worship has always been handed down from one generation to the next. And this is one thing that I'm, I'm learning as a pastor that just because that was a way of worship for them back then doesn't mean that God has changed his mind about how we worship today. We just, we worship differently. We don't worship with grain and, and, and making sure it's coarse and, and ground up and we, we, we don't dry out the seed, but rather we are to give our income to the Lord because the culture that we live and the way we honor him is very different. You see, on leaving Egypt, Under God's guidance and protection, the Israelites needed instructions on now how to live in the land that God was giving to them. Since it is God's land, it must be cared for according to God's priorities and instructions. In fact, God says in Leviticus 23, verse 10, then the Lord, this is it, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. He was telling the people, I care about how you give. He's basically telling the people, 
don't just come tip me. Don't come give me some lip service. I'm your God. And I, I want you to love me. And I want you to demonstrate your love to me, not just by saying it. I want you to show me by your obedience in your area of giving. He, this is, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you, and you harvest its first crops... Then he says this, bring the priests a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. Bring to the priest. Now, if they were living in Bethany, which is about 20 miles away from Jerusalem, or if they were living in a, a, a further town, 50, 100 miles away from Jerusalem, to bring it to the priest meant that they had to bring it to Jerusalem, to the very temple, the very pinnacle point where man, the Jewish man, met in contact with the Jehovah God, and there was the acknowledgement of his power and his presence, and there was the active worship between the two. Note that to bring a sheaf of the first grain of the field is not an option or a guideline, but it was a requirement. It was the instruction. As we are informed, the very first portion of the crop to be harvested is known as their first fruits. And how we respond with our giving clearly speaks on how we take ownership of our personal responsibility to the Lord himself. It reflects a broader understanding of our rightful relationship with the Lord who we claim to love and to worship. Jesus said this when Israel got away from him. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your life and your actions speak different. It is a decree that a sheaf or a bushel of barley of the first grain that is harvested is to be brought to the Lord to be consecrated by the priest in a ceremony of waving. He would, the priest would come into the presence of God. He would raise it above his head and he would elevate it and he would wave it before the Lord. Here is the faithful gifts of the Lord's people. A sheaf is a bushel. And of that portion, a certain amount is offered directly to God by being burned up. And the last portion was beat down into a dough and made two loaves of bread. One loaf was a representation, and the priest would eat that as God's sustenance to the Gentile people, and then another loaf to the Jewish people. The Aaronic priests... The priest of Aaron depended on the offerings of the people for their livelihood. The reason being is their devotion to working in the tabernacle kept them from reaping a regular harvest like everyone else. They were not to be farmers or businessmen like everyone They were to tend to the things of God. So their work was to remain in the temple only. And the primary reason that God's people were to take ownership of their giving responsibility is to recognize that it is God who is blessing them by his grace and they have not earned it. So these Israelites must never forget that it is God who is the source of all that they will enjoy in the promised land. And there is no other source. And this includes their former fictitious fertility gods such as Baal when they were totally backslidden. You see, as the body of, of Christ in the New Testament church, we as a local assembly, we have to take ownership of the needs of our local church. You see that in the bulletin. We, to operate and to, to run this great facility, 
we, we need $11,200 weekly. That's our new budget. In fact, our, our loan has just now been elevated with the area of interest, and we've got areas, and we want to make sure that the Lord's needs are met in the body of Christ. And each of us need to undergird our responsibility, our burden, to just to say, I want to do my part because when you give, when you honor the Lord, you become part of the economy that God has built in to see that his work continues and is established on the face of the earth. The church is the lighthouse to a world that needs the gospel. The church is the body of Christ, and we want to carry out his work for the Lord. I've asked a young lady to come speak, and I've gotten to know her, and her name is Jen Russell. And Jen, would you come? She also works with the uh, Cecil County Pregnancy Center. And, and we were talking about this week, and, and we were talking about tithing and giving to the Lord. And uh, she was just sharing her testimony, how God has blessed her in the area of being obedient to the Lord. And Jen, thank you so much for coming out. And just share with the people what God's doing in your life. So um, I... It's kind of a long story. Um, so I did write it down, and I had uh, planned on printing it out. Um, but of course, my printer was out of yellow ink this morning, um, which I'm not really sure what that has to do with printing in black and white, but it, it does. So I'm sorry, I have to look at my phone. <laughs> so um, I'll start in 2016. That was a very rough year for my family. Uh, my marriage had ended. Um, my husband and I had separated. Um, that's another story all in itself. I'm painfully aware that divorce is a sin, and I really struggled with that decision. Um, and if I'm being perfectly honest, I still do. Um, if I had been where I am with my faith and my relationship with God, um, I may have done things differently, but um, as always, hindsight's 2020. So um, my household income was cut in half. Um, I had moved out, was living on my own uh, with my 14-year-old daughter at the time. Uh, my 17-year-old son had decided to stay with his dad. So for the next year, I'd stayed at my job in banking, um, still making a very comfortable salary, um, but I was struggling. I was struggling with the divorce. I was struggling with my job. I just wasn't happy with it anymore. I was struggling finding a church. I was struggling with my faith. I really felt that God was pulling me to do something different, but I wasn't really sure what it was. Around the same time, my Aunt Sunday was diagnosed with cancer. I thought, really, what else could go wrong? Um, little did I know this was going to be the beginning of the change in my life that I had been looking for. Obviously, I was not happy um, to see that my aunt was sick or to watch her and Kevin suffer, but this is what brought me to Crossroads. So my mom, my daughter, and I started coming to support Kevin around May of 2017. I'm not sure that I've ever actually shared this with Kevin personally, but I've shared it with many other people. Watching Kevin go through the loss of his wife is what brought me to want to be closer with the Lord. Uh, Kevin Nutter, as many of you know, um, he is my uncle. We're only three years apart. Um, my mom, my brother, and I lived with my grandparents my whole life, which was Kevin's parents. So we grew up more like brother and sister um, rather than um, niece and uncle. I also had two cousins that lived next door and, of course, my brother, but none of them went to church growing up. It was just Kevin and I and my grandfather. Uh, my mom and my grandmother 
um, did not go either. So just me, my pop-up, and Kevin went to church faithfully every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Thursday. So I knew that Kevin knew Christ as his Savior. But as a lot of us do, we had both drifted away from the Lord in our early adult years. I was so happy to see that Kevin and Sunday had found their way back to Jesus before her diagnosis, because I don't think either of them would have been able to handle it the way that they did without having him at the center of their world. My mom and I spent a lot of time with Kevin after Sunday passed, and I was just in awe at how he was handling everything. I saw a piece about him that I had not seen in a long time, and I knew that it was only a piece that God could give. Mm -hmm. I realized very quickly that I wanted and needed that piece in my life. I started attending Crossroads regularly. We had finally found our church. Soon after that, God began working in my life. I started attending church in May of 2017. My aunt passed in July of 2017. I made the decision to quit my job in August of 2017 uh, after being at the bank for 20 years and to go back to school to get my degree in social work. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I was trusting God that he would show me and take care of me. I retired from the bank um, on my 20-year anniversary to the day. I had an interview at Father Martin Ashley's addiction treatment on that same day. I had not interviewed anywhere outside of the bank in 20 years and had done nothing but banking my entire adult life. So um, God had found a finance position at a faith-based substance abuse facility for me. It utilized my banking background, but also laid the groundwork for what he was going to bless me with next. Substance abuse was one of the fields that I was interested in in social work, but I really thought that I wanted to work with the children of the parents that suffered from substance abuse. Honestly, I didn't have a lot of compassion for people that were suffering from substance abuse because my life had been negatively impacted by this disease. My dad had passed away in 2010 at the age of 53 from complications from cirrhosis of the liver from addiction his whole life. My uncle had a liver transplant at the age of 50 from cirrhosis. Both of my dad's parents were alcoholics and my marriage of 21 years had just ended due to my husband's drinking causing problems for our family. But as always, God knew what he was doing when he placed me there. I learned more about the disease, the circumstances that tend to surround people turning to substances, and I developed a compassion for the people that suffer from addiction, which was going to come in very handy for where God led me to next. I had heard about the pregnancy center during the baby bottle drive at Crossroads in early 2018. I had heard about them before at, a, at my previous church. I really felt God pulling me to learn more about the ministry. Pastor Glenn Bromwell spoke about their annual banquet at church, so my mom and I attended in April 2018. I was very impressed with their mission. I started volunteering in May of 2018, and I immediately knew that's where God wanted me. There was a new director getting ready to take over, and she and I hit it off immediately. We made a great team. She unfortunately was diagnosed with breast cancer in November of 2018, was about to fight the fight of her life. I was able to step in and help her run things at the center while she was going through her treatments. I continued to volunteer until May of 2019, after we had implemented a few new fundraisers at the center and the board approved hiring me as her assistant director. I also graduated from college in May of this year with a bachelor's degree in social work. 
So let me back up a little and explain how I was doing all this financially. 2016, my household income was cut in half. 2017, my income was cut in half again when I left the bank and went to Ashley Addiction Treatment. In 2018, I went to the Pregnancy Center where I worked for free for a year. Um, I made the decision when I left the bank that I would pool for my 401k until I finished my degree and could get a better paying job in the social work field. And I know, I know, it's never a good idea to pool from your retirement before you reach retirement age because of the taxes and the penalties, but I really felt this is what God wanted me to do, and that was the only way financially I could figure out how to do it. So the first year that I made a withdrawal, at the end of the year I got my statement, and I saw that I had earned 26.5% on my investment. I had withdrawn $50,000 for that year to, to pay my bills, and I had earned $46,000. So I knew that, that I was doing what God wanted me to do and that God was going to take care of me. I also uh, forgot to mention, when I quit my job in 2017, I started tithing faithfully. To my knowledge, I have not missed a week since then. I continue, I continue tithing when I wasn't working because I counted my 401k withdrawals as income and I tithed on that. I have been faithful to God and he has been faithful to me. So as you can imagine, two and a half years later, my retirement is dwindling quickly. I had a threshold that I did not want to let get um, below that. I hit that threshold and went below it earlier this year. I wasn't sure how God was going to help me through that. but. In May, I got hired at the Pregnancy Center. While it's a very small salary because we are a nonprofit organization, every little bit helps. My son bought an all-you-can-eat crab shack in March, which opened in May. Of course, being a mom, I offered to help him however I could. I helped him with getting the computer stuff all set up for the business and then wanted to make sure he had someone trustworthy handling the money, so decided to cashier for him this summer. So again, God blessed me with another small income. It is less that I have to withdraw from savings. And as a bonus, I get to be a part of my son's success. I get to spend quality time with him that otherwise I otherwise would not get to spend. And I have found another ministry at the, at the Crab Shack as well. There are lots of people that work there that could use kindness, love, and support in their lives. I am getting more and more comfortable sharing the love of Christ with those around me. The Pregnancy Center is a faith-based organization, and we share the word of God every opportunity that we get. I saw God's light shining through my uncle, Kevin, and it made me want it. I want God's light to shine through me, and I want people that know me to want what I have with Christ. Mm. I have found that peace by putting God at the center of my life, and I want to share with others how they can find that peace, too. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. First fruits is taking ownership of our own responsibility. And thank you, Jen, for sharing God's faithfulness on your part. And I thank you for your testimony. Number two, first fruit offering says everything about attitude. When we give wholly to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 31.5, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the field. And the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. 
Notice the immediate response from the people of God. As soon as the, <coughs> as the commandment came abroad, the Bible says the people brought in abundance. And it's very interesting as I go through the Old Testament, I've studied the Old Testament and poured through the Old Testament scripture, is that a major part of the history of the people of Israel as a nation were always excited about giving the first fruits because it served as a down payment of the full crop that was to come with God's blessing. They always had a very positive attitude and outlook on the area of honoring the Lord with their tithes and their substance. You see, deep down, they knew that God would bless them with a great harvest if only they first honored him. Therefore, that gave them the reason to celebrate. Not only were they excited to know that God would bless them, they knew that their offerings would please and honor the very God that they loved. This tickled them the most. They knew by their giving that their action of obedience would bring great pleasure and great favor with God. And when their heart was right with him, there would be that synergy of joy. Now, it pleased them that their giving pleased God. Now, the giving experience became a celebration. It became a festival of thanksgiving and worship before his presence. And the attitude of the giving of the people was one of certain joy, which really helps me understand that verse in the Bible. The Bible says, the Lord loves a cheerful what? Giver. Cheerful giver. When the people of God were right with him, they never complained. They never felt begrudged in their spirit or heart about their giving to God. You see, when a person aligns themselves with the purposes of God and with God's ownership of his life, of his life, of what he has given to us, and when we're lined up with that, we are only in a place of great gratitude and thankfulness. You see, in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, there was a king named Joash. And Joash saw the temple of God was in need of great repair. And it was neglected. And Joash, as a king, went to Jehoiadiah, the high priest, and said, we need to call the people of God together because we need to tend to the business of the Lord. And Joash requested that they make a chest and put it out there on the road in front of the temple. And as the people would go by, that they would give faithfully and joyfully to the Lord. In fact, let me read to you what the response was of the people. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions, and put them into the chest until all had given. I like that. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest, took it in and returned it to its place. They did this day by day and gathered the funds to repair the temple of God. You see, the temple of God was repaired. It was fixed. The needs of the house of God were met joyfully. And the Lord blessed his people with his Shekinah glory. The glory of God just flooded over his people. You see, God observes the nature of our heart as we give. In fact, that's why I like 2 Corinthians 9, 17. Every man according to his own heart purposed. So let him give, not grudgingly. Not giving because you feel you have to give out of necessity. But God loves a cheerful giver. 
And then thirdly, I want you to look at this last thought. First fruits are consecrated first to Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 44, 30 says, the, says this, the best of all first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from your sacrifices, he says, shall be the Lord's. Also you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. You see, first fruits are consecrated to God as a sweet and smelling savor of worship. It was a beautiful experience to actually witness the, the, the high priest offering up this offering before the Lord in his presence. It was truly a time of intimate worship. This priest was serving as a mediator. He would take the offerings from the people, and then he would take this offering, and he would offer it to the Lord. And he would place this offering in the presence of God, as I said before, and it was elevated above the head of the priest, and he would offer it to the Lord, and he would wave it in the face of God. And this gift represented that particular family that gave out of love and out of gratitude, and God knew the attitude of their hearts. He knew their determination to honor him. And as the high priest would lift this up, the Bible says that he would pour out on the brazen altar the, the, the fruits that were given from the family. And the Bible says that as he poured out this fruit on this hot brazen altar, the fires would lap it up and it would burn completely. And then there would be this smoke from this burnt fruit and as the smoke arose into the heaven, the Bible says it was a sweet and a smelling savor to the Lord. What he was smelling was the obedience of the gift. What he was smelling was the attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness. And God doesn't eat fruit. God doesn't need to eat fruit. But rather, the smell of the offering was precious to him. And that, that is how God accepted the offerings of his people, offering a gift holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 23 points out that the Israelites, when they brought their fruits to the Lord, when they brought their gifts to the Lord, they were not to touch any of it until first was given to the Lord. You know, first fruits is certainly a time of celebration. This has been good for me to study. I hope you've embraced a lot what I shared with you. First fruits is taking ownership of our own responsibility. God has blessed us all. He's blessed us. And we take ownership by saying we need to keep him foremost. And he cares. Listen, he has given instruction how we are to, to lay aside for him what belongs to him in the New Testament. And we are to, to give it wholeheartedly to the Lord on the first day of the week. And the Bible teaches us that first fruits is taking ownership of that and saying, God, this belongs to you. This is first fruit. This is the tithe. God, I give it to you. It is a sweet and smelling savor in your presence. Secondly, first fruit offerings say everything about attitude. The people joyfully, they gave abundantly. They just put the need out and God's people responded because their love for the Lord. This was his temple. This was his meeting place with his people. The temple was the gate of heaven to earth. And God's people responded with great joy. Thirdly, first fruit 
are consecrated completely first to Jesus Christ. They're given to him. You know, we're talking about stewardship this month. But really, it talks about worship. We worship him. We acknowledge him. I encourage you this morning. As you're thinking about Stewardship Month, I want you to think about Crossroads Church. I want you to think about the tremendous needs. But more than all of that, never to give begrudgingly. Never let it come out of your mouth. Oh, this is about my... Listen, it is all about Jesus Christ. It's about honoring him. Just come into his presence and realize the abundance that you have in your life is given to you by God. And together, my heart, your heart, we want to worship him. Jen, thank you for your testimony this morning, your love for the Lord, your stepping out in faith, going through the hardship, and yet honoring the Lord. You blessed my heart this morning. You've challenged me, Jen. And we're going to pray for you. How many are going to pray for Jen that God would continue to show favor and blessing in your life? Give her a big hand. God love you. God bless you. And I'll tell you what, you cannot outgive God. Give him the honor that is due to him. Read the scriptures, study the scriptures. I've just immersed myself, and more and more I come away realizing we have a great, wonderful God. And let's respond to him with the instruction that he has laid out, the principles that he has laid out. I want to be a better giver. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be, I want to be all that God wants me to be. And I want my Lord to know that I love him this morning. And I honor him. Amen. God bless you. And I know you join me in your heart because I know deep down you love the Lord and you want to make him happy. You want to please him with all of your heart. Let's pray. Let's all stand. With heads bowed and eyes are closed, the greatest way that you can be part of the kingdom of God is to open your heart and to receive him as Lord and Savior. I encourage you to pray this morning this prayer with me. Just pray this prayer, dear, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you this morning. And right now, I open my heart to you. I receive you as my God, as my Savior. I know you died for me on the cross. And right now, I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you simply raise your hand? I prayed that prayer. I invited Jesus into my heart. Yes. God bless you, ma'am. And God bless you. God bless you this morning. God bless all seven this morning who just prayed and said, Jesus, come into my heart. May God bless you as believers. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your substance. It's good to thank the Lord with our lips, but it's a greater act of worship to worship him with the substance that God has blessed you with. Put him first. Lift him up. Honor him this morning. Father, we thank you for meeting with us in this place this morning. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Help us to take ownership, oh Lord, of our responsibility. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have the right attitude. But most of all, may we consecrate everything that we have first to you. Father, bless this. May this church be known as a church that loves Jesus first. Bless now this service. Bless as the praise team encourages us with a song of praise. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. What a great message on the celebration of the first fruits. For those of you, uh, remember we do online.